0: Bad Films, the podcast where we watch bad films so you don't have to. I'm Gary and joining me this week is Jay. Hello everybody. Hello Jay and how are you today? Um I'm splendid and tremendous. How about you? Yeah pretty good. I've had some time off. I'm feeling energized. I'm gonna bring myself way down by watching rubbish film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you sound way too excited. That is not the correct uh headspace I'm afraid.
0: Oh, not the great headspace. Well, to get us in the right headspace, I had a question for you. Something I've been thinking about. And uh, uh, we, we watch quite a lot of films, and I think we both have directors that we're fans of. But I wondered, even the best directors have the odd turkey, have the odd absolute piece of rubbish on their CV. And I wondered, Jay, if you had any suggestions for a good director, bad movie. Oh, yeah. I've
1: got quite a few, actually. I don't delineate between films, music, books, art. Um, these film directors, they're meant to be, cre- you know, they're creative artists, aren't they, really, if you, if you uh, want to go mm-hmm. on that?
0: Well, apart from Michael Bay, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I don't know where I remember reading this, but I read this somewhere. I may have even spoken to you about this a while ago, but um, I remember reading a quote that said, Paul McCartney and Ridley Scott are obviously both geniuses or extremely good at what they both do but also Mm -hmm. and they've done some of the best artwork in their own fields that have have ever been
0: created so yeah and before we talk about Ridley Scott we should both point out we're both big fans of Paul McCartney so where are you going with this what what's what's your evidence in the Paul McCartney locker
1: well, I mean, Paul McCartney is a musical genius. It's undeniable. He's a songwriting genius. He can play. He has music coursing through his veins. And he's he's created some of the best music that's ever been created, either with the Beatles or without them. Uh, but also he's produced albums
0: and albums of absolute guff. <laughs> <laughs> and would you name at least one of those albums?
1: Um, no, I'm not going to name names. But I would suggest that that Paul McCartney is a bit like he is so um, used to being all powerful in his field that no one ever really tells him no. So he just basically writes and records whatever he comes, whatever comes to him. And he kind of thinks that they're all as good as each other, which is not the case. He's a bad editor. He's bad at editing himself.
0: I would say Ridley Scott. Uh, now this is a this is a topic that we've come across a lot. Bad editing. Yeah. And um I don't know which directors you're gonna say, so I don't want to preempt anything, but we've definitely come across directors we like that have got poor editing choices or not enough tight rein on them. Yeah. But uh go on, you're gonna but, um, talk about Ridley Scott. And and I
1: mean editing, not just uh you know, the uh technical term of cutting up film and stuff. I mean literally being able to stop uh, p- parts of your creativity coming out so that it just doesn't become a bloated
0: mess. Um, I believe the phrase often comes up is slaughter your darlings, isn't yeah, it? That you know, something you're absolutely obsessed with, but it doesn't actually service the overall goal of your project and in, in the context of a film, you know, the story. Yeah. Does it further the story? So
1: I would say Paul McCartney's got this problem. Ridley
0: Scott has got this
1: problem. Now, Ridley Scott, is is actually one of my favourite directors, and um,
0: so what are the films they are the go-to's for Ridley Scott? What's his oh, best? I mean, work? the
1: first four or five films are amazing. So he starts with the Duelists. I don't know if you've seen it. Brilliant. I've not seen the Duelists. Brilliant. Um, it's Napoleon.
0: That doesn't belong on this podcast. <laughs> no,
1: it doesn't uh Napoleonic era two guys who have this tiny little spat and one of them takes it too far and then they have this duel which is not resolved and because of the uh, law the um the vibe at the time where it's all about honor and because this initial duel is not resolved they keep bumping into each other during the Napoleonic Wars and keep trying to finish this duel and it never happens and it escalates. But it's beautiful, it's well acted, it's well written, it's atmospheric, it's a great film, particularly as a starting film. Uh, and then he went from that to uh, Alien, which is one of the best sci-fi, horror. I mean, it's kind of a, of its own genre, but it's it's basically the best of that type of film ever made.
0: It's a it's a haunted house film essentially it is a house, yeah. on a brilliant setting. I love Alien. I can watch it, you know, all day long. I watch it at least once a year, um, and you know, it doesn't stop being interesting, entertaining, good performances, amazing production design, um, great editing. Back to that thing again, and beautifully underplayed performances as well. Yeah.
1: Uh, and 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 all of the other subsequent alien films whether you like them or not are all directed by supremo directors and they all always say that they go back to the original as being the the thing that they're trying to achieve you know the thing that they're trying to beat it's held up as being one of the best films of all time really alien particularly in that genre
0: yeah and then he goes it's in the top ten for me, certainly. So, so what's on the other side for Ridley Scott? What's he done that's really well?
1: Bad? I mean, so my point is, he does that, and then he does Blade Runner, then he does Legend, which I think is a great film. People don't really like it, but I think is a great, sumptuous-looking film. Um, so he does, he does quite an amazing run of films, and then he does absolute tripe in uh, quite a, um, quite a, a close run, quite a. Near in time to those previous films, so I am an in. I have an interest in Ridley Scott, so I'm trying to watch or collect all of his films. And he's done some great films, uh, but he's done terrible films like um, "Someone to Watch Over Me." Mm. Yes, so you don't know what it is, do you? You've never heard of that film. It's what he did straight after. I think he did after Legend. So he was desperate to do something set in the real world because all of his previous films have been historical fantasy or sci-fi and it is so boring it is boring the characters i mean the acting's pretty bad act, the act, the, the characters are terrible it's really badly written but it's you're the director you it's your name and, and i've got loads of the dvd stuff so i've seen loads of ridley scott interviews where he's talking about it's my name on you know over this film I'm the one who takes the fall if it goes wrong. I'm the one who gets all the props if it goes right. But it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So in which case, why did you make that terrible film? And then and then the unforgivable two recent alien prequel reboots, side films, whatever they want to call them, uh, I'm talking about Prometheus and Alien Covenant, are just mm. boring middle of the road rubbish rubbish films certainly in comparison to alien and in loads of interviews um he says um the thing that worked about alien is that it's the tension it's the realistic dialogue i had the actors just talking to each other a realistic characterization realism and you barely see the alien and it's all about threat and stuff and then he makes alien covenant and prometheus where you see the alien all the time it's really violent in both films the uh characterization is minimal and the dialogue is unrealistic clunky and drama-esque and i just think have you not listened to your own commentaries uh ridley <laughs> surely you should be talking to yourself and you should have realized that what you've done here is you've taken your legacy and peed on it from a great height so that's what I'm putting forward as a great director who does has done terrible films.
0: Well, I can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Um, I, I sometimes stick up for Prometheus because I think there's something enjoyable in it. I don't think it's particularly well told, but I do think there's something in it. Um, I really like the art direction in it. Um, I like the cold whites and blues. I think that's really interesting. I think... The performances are generally poor. Um, There's a a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. But, you know, it's hard to completely stand up Yes, but what we're talking about here, Uh, Gary, is we're talking about directors. And
1: he's a very successful director, so he can kind of do whatever he likes. And from his own mouth, the buck stops with him. So if the acting's no good or the story is incoherent, He has to make it coherent. That is his job and I have no sympathy. So what my point is really is that I don't understand how it happens. I don't understand.
0: No, quite well. I'm going to pick a director for me who is generally pretty good. Great even. um, But in my opinion, did a, a particularly bad film and maybe even more depending on your point of view. So I really like that you said Ridley Scott and Alien because I now want to turn to the director of Aliens, which is James Ooh. Cameron. Um, so, you know, let's go back. Terminator 1, um, a great taut chase thriller. Terminator 2, a comic book um, adventure. Aliens, which is an out-and-out war film. Um, I really like True Lies, which is a silly Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. spy film. Um, Let's not forget, we discussed a little bit of James Cameron back on episode 10 when we talked about Battle Beyond the Stars and his first art director role. Really good eye, really good uh, conceptualizer. making a word up there. You know, he can really bring a world to life, much like Ridley Scott can when he's on it. Much like George Lucas. But I'm picking out much like George Lucas. We need a whole other podcast to talk about George Lucas (laughs) because that man's particular to us so let's let's avoid that iceberg Um, but i'm not going to go for that film um i want to put up avatar which i absolutely hate yeah it is miserably overwrought and overlong it's so preachy it's so boring i hate that man of that moment sam worthington he's just he's like on a computer game when you get to create design your own character you don't select anything you just say (laughs) default you even leave the name as default joe (laughs) default and he's just nothing he's a complete and blank canvas of a person on which nothing is painted
1: i'm I'm so desperate Um, to agree with you he
0: uh he was that man at that moment and he's disappeared now and we know why because he i'm sure he's doing great great work on japanese <laughs> beer commercials or but music videos or whatever the hell he's doing helped to
1: ruin the other cameron um franchise that was terminator salvation whatever it was
0: called. yes one of one of those terminators i i lose track because they decided let's not number the terminators <laughs> anymore so nobody thinks they're missing one um i can't keep track of them there's one called salvation there's one called CS- genesis there's one called rise Dark of the Fate. washing machines there's one called csi new yeah. york i don't know Um, Revenge of the Sith (laughs) or something. Um, There's too many Terminators now. Um, But getting back to Avatar, uh, we couldn't even stay on Avatar because it's so boring. We had to move off and talk about other films. Um, I I resent that it was the most financially successful film for nearly 10 years. I hate that fact that we're saying, yep, this is the one that all of us wanted to spend our money on for such a long time. And I was you know i've mentioned before i am not a fan of the comic book film genre but i was pleased to see it push avatar off the perch because i was yeah. sick of it being there yeah it's just boring and i hate the fact that there's 55 sequels coming that oh, he's apparently well, written well, a and bit like
1: ridley something. scott and the um, alien franchise i've i've heard and seen interviews with him where he says i i could spin this out for the next 10 20 years i could just you know keep going i'm like Why? Why? Why would you do that, Ridley? Why would you want to do that? And it's the same with James Cameron. It's like you've made this bog-standard special effects film, which is basically dances with wolves in space or wherever it is. It's not even an original idea. Mm -hmm. And then you want
0: or Pocahontas. Yeah, and then you you want to spend
1: twenty years creating this whole world and have about twenty sequels. I mean, why? Why would anyone? you're meant to be a filmmaker so this is what this is the crux of the matter is when a good director just makes a terrible film or hugely terrible decisions and you just think why how is this possible how can you be so good and yet so bad at the same time
0: this is a subject we could go on and on about um and let's perhaps pick it up on a future episode but perhaps hey you out there if you've got a director that you think is generally pretty good and he just or I say he or she directed an absolute stinker. Please get in touch and let us know. Find us on Twitter, we watch bad films. On Instagram, we watch bad films. Or email us, we watch bad films at gmail.com. And um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And um, we can discuss them on a future episode. We need to do that thing we do, um, mm. which is to watch a bad film. And uh, what will you suggest to us uh, today, well Joe? it's
1: not actually me suggesting it really um we had some suggestions for our uh halloween episode and um we <laughs> you went off piece and chose <laughs> alone in the dark which um was mm. uh deeply <laughs> unfulfilling on all levels
0: Hey, after that, I went to IMDb and put one-star review for that, and there's not many films I've got a one-star review for. That's actually something we should do on a future episode. Films overrated one-stars on IMDb. I've been rating films on IMDb for a long, long time. And uh, there's not that many deserve a one-star. Um, spoilers, Avatar is one of them. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so so so, what have you decided? Well, um,
1: we had a few suggestions online. Uh, I think on Twitter, and uh, one of them was from uh, an old an old colleague cohort of yours, Richard
0: Sandling. Richard Sandling, yes, Rich Sandling's perfect movie. Find him at squat yes. underscore Betty uh, on now, Twitter. Now,
1: um, I I I just went off on my own volition, and I f- I think I found the film that is after. It's certainly a film that is on my Huge list, and it is called Rock and Roll Nightmare.
0: Oh, interesting! So, 87 1987. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it when he mentioned it last week, and I I did a very, very brief amount of research just to talk about it. Have you got any facts to lead us into?
1: (sighs) Yeah, I don't, I don't have many facts, but I, I, I have seen clips of it, so I'm not going into this completely cold. And when he mentioned it, I was aware of it, so. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but um, it,
0: it, is, it is hilarious, uh, by all accounts. Okay. All right. Well, I think we should watch it. Uh, we'll go off and watch it. You guys listen to the trailer for it, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Here's your new home for the next five weeks.
1: Back to nature, huh? No hot tubs, no dynasty.
0: No one's lived here for 10 years. Relax. Would I pick a loser?
1: What are we supposed to do here? Rehearse, lame brain. We live, we live to rock. We live, we live to rock. I'm trying of music, will We
0: live, we live to run. We live, we live to rock. rock, 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 rock. Prepare to die. you off long enough, you'd make a personal appearance. watched rock and roll nightmare also known as the edge of hell and uh before we discuss jay i'd like your initial off the shoot off the cuff reaction um insane yeah that's a good one that's a good one let me uh let me paint a picture for some people um so we have a cold open on a farm um the mum or Aggie philbin as she looks like is busy making dinner Dad is off somewhere, son is upstairs. Suddenly mum is dragged into the oven and replaced by um, a skull on a stick. Uh, apparently she's dead. We then have a long scene of a band arriving at a farmhouse to rehearse. <clears throat> this is like a Rockfield Farm kind of deal. They've, they've come here to sort of capture some energy. Um, so this very 80s, Black Sabbath-y, Aussie, hair metal type band <clears throat> rehearse for a while. They are led by John Triton, played by John Micklefall. um More on him later. Um, whilst they are rehearsing, a sort of sock puppet penis appears with an eyeball. It does something into a cup, and this appears <laughs> to infect the band. Uh infect one of the band members. <clears throat> there then follows uh, some interchangeable scenes where different members of the band uh, have sex. Strictly hetero, of course. Um, and they, they have sex for a long time. There's lots, of, lots of lots of footage of that. And then one of them will turn into a monster and eat the other one. <clears throat> and when I say turn into a monster, we cut away, we cut back, and they've got some makeup on. Mostly it's um, a sort of, like, bit of glue on the face and a, and a rubber hand they got from Poundland. Um, some groupies arrive and their manager Phil is now turned into a monster, does away with them apparently but we never learn of their fate um, this pattern continues, so this film is an hour and 23 minutes long, this happens for the first hour Then in the final 20 minutes um, all of a sudden the original kid that was in the opening scene appears again he turns into a monster and gets a couple of people we don't really learn what happens to him and then finally, uh our hero John Triton is confronted, Bonner. Someone who is with him who turns into Satan himself, and uh John Triton becomes the intercessor, Archangel Triton, now with extra eyeliner. There is a long fight, and he defeats uh Satan, the end. <laughs> very succinct yeah well done yeah well you know one one thing we will say about it is there ain't a lot of plot in it Uh, there yeah
1: you you may challenge me on this i would say there's almost no plot for the vast majority of the film
0: yeah um and i think Um, Well, it's kind of interesting and amusing that we brought up alien in the intro to this podcast, because there's something of an alien vibe to the uh, the first four fifths of the film in terms of there is something stalking the other people in the film. You know, I'm not comparing the two. Can I be clear? Um, (laughs) But um, uh, there's definitely an air, an air of sort of spooky house. Um, gradually take out everyone's 80s slasher film type thing. And in fact, if you dial back to our last episode, episode 12, you'll hear me talking about the Friday the 13th films, and particularly quite a few of them have a very boring, ponderous start before they get into the, frankly, the interesting bit where people start getting offed. And it's a bit the same here. It starts very plodding with some of the longest shots you'll see on celluloid. (laughs) And there's a lot of people start getting off with each other. Yes, there's a lot of that. I mean, titillation is fine, but when it's just people mashing their faces against each other... <laughs> it's just a bit... And, yeah, um, I, I, I,
1: I think I just want to, it to be clear to the listeners that this film is completely and utterly nuts. Uh, destroy- yeah, it's quite your very succinct plot summary this film is is crazy it is meaningless the the band arrive at a house and they do nothing but wash up in the sink (laughs) shag and play awful awful rock music for over an
0: hour that is the whole film Let's break some of that down. So, if you're a fan of uh, washing up, <laughs> this is the one for you.
1: Yeah, sponsored by Fairy Liquid. This film, uh, the edge of the edge of the plate, as is what it should be called, as you're washing it up.
0: Yeah, there's an awful lot of washing up on a lot, and so you know, if you get off on that, this is the one for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's they're the most boring
1: rock band I've ever come across. They they wash up, they they have little dinners with, with plates, five little plates around a little table. They'll wear loads of knitwear. In fact, I think one of them was knitting, weren't they? Something. was knitting. Yep,
0: during one of the rehearsals, one of the rocking out tunes. <laughs> was one of them was knitting. <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, I've never toured with a band, Jay. I know you have, and I'm so I don't know if <laughs> that's something that goes on a lot of knitting
1: yeah it was the crochet tour of of 1995 if you remember mm,
0: um mm, no, no. yeah
1: we did it. We, a lot of scarves were knitted on that tour um yeah it's absolute tripe um none of this film makes sense um it was shot after shot of boring conversations that <laughs> I couldn't hear. You couldn't hear because of the, <laughs> either the awful songs, the awful rock songs, which I think the the, the main actor had some hand in, or really did. the off the wall, off kilter, almost unlistenable score. Now, can you remember any of the score at all, Gary?
0: Well, there's lots to the soundtrack slash score. Uh, to really pull apart, and um, so so let's start on the score. The score was, hey, isn't Tubular Bells a good tune for scary films? Yeah, but yeah, let's have lots of that. Yeah. Let's have lots of um, not quite copyright infringing Tubular Bells knockoff. Yeah, and done with only one finger as well. <laughs> And then you get the soundtrack, as we've said, it's very 80s hair metal. You already know what it's like. Plenty of chorus repeated over and over again. And that's fine. It, it's doing its thing. Um, um, you're, without me even describing it, you know what it sounds like. Um, but what I've never heard in a film before, and I think they should be applauded for, is simultaneously playing score and soundtrack at the same time. <laughs>
1: Yeah there was at least two scenes where there was a song playing an awful rock song and then the deranged synthesized score playing something completely different different key different feel and it was a brain mashup um avant-garde
0: yeah i mean it... It messed with my mind, definitely.
1: What about the... Um, um, that, that, that sort of bizarre <laughs> seal falling down a cliff sort of sound effect that they had on that synthesizer.
0: Yeah, I think they found one setting on their Moog and you just went out, went for it over and over again. <laughs> for about five minutes. <laughs> 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 yeah I, I think it's a film I don't want to say two halves because the split isn't even fair but quite a lot of it you were cursing uh, Richard who brought this film to our attention <laughs> and yet and yet I enjoyed it quite a bit more than some of the absolute crap we've watched <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you said it was it was entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining. I mean, it was on the edge for me. It was on the edge of like, oh my God, some some plot better, better appear at some point or I'm going to... Well, <laughs> but well it, the final act,
0: you know, redeems it, I think.
1: It does. But can I just say, before we get talking about the final act, which the, those last 20 minutes make this film, before we do that, please, mm. can I just... Touch upon the um, how do I put this? The sort of assault course of the preceding 10 minutes, which were just a shag fest. Can we can we touch on that, please? <laughs> because in order to get to that last 20 minutes, the finale which makes the film, you have to sit through between five and ten minutes of every single person in that house shagging over and over again uh, and it doesn't cut away it just on and on so once that happens for a while it's two characters and, and I was like Gary this this has to stop I can't watch this anymore and then it and then finally it stops and then it cuts to the other characters oh and they're going to start shagging and it's just endless endless tits art sweaty bits flapping lips just oh my god and the camera was right in there it was horrific so i'm afraid that almost made me want to throw my laptop out the window because i i, I almost couldn't cope with it so it was a good job the ending came when it did because i was on the edge
0: yeah that that's the edge quite of fair. like i said the edge of hell you see they knew what they were doing they knew what they were doing Let's look at the main guy himself, John (laughs) Mickle Thor. So this was not a guy with which I was familiar, but he wrote, produced, and was the main star in this film. Um, His Wikipedia entry lists him as bodybuilding champion, actor, songwriter, screenwriter, historian, (laughs) vocalist, and musician. I like the distinction vocalist (laughs) and musician. You need one more credit in there. Um, He's not unimpressive at his different... um, renaissance man activities he's taken part in um he achieved over 40 bodybuilding titles he's the first man to get mr canada and mr usa so he's not without merit you know and Uh, we do know that he's a bodybuilder because he spends quite a bit of the end completely nude apart from a study
1: i'm not questioning his uh, muscular prowess i'm sure he's done all of those things it's just everything else that he's doing is rubbish. He's he can't act. He's written one of the worst films I've ever seen, and his music is absolutely awful.
0: Yeah, so he's quite an interesting guy to himself. Um, I, I completely missed off a key plot point actually. That's just come back to me when he confronts Satan at the end. He's happy about it, and you think, why is he not reacting to this spindly <laughs> oh God, that was demon? So Oh, it's because everything you've just, every person in that building was a figment of his own imagination, and he used them to conjure forth the devil himself, so he could be vanquished. Obvious, you know. Signposted from the beginning. Never hear, Bob really shadows i created to entertain your little friends juicy little souls to bring you out into the open
1: yet again uh, explaining the plot makes it sound like it sort of made sense whilst we were watching um when that happened we were like what is going on what the hell's happening why is he turned into um uh, that woman who sings turn around bright eyes why is his hair exploded yes. Why is he wearing a metal thong? Why is he talking to that flapping uh, plastic toy, which is meant to be the devil, like he's just the milkman? I don't understand. And then later on, he worked out, oh, he's done it all himself. It's like a he's done it on purpose. That was not yes. clear.
0: <clears throat> it's a yeah. starmobile. It was not clear. So you've just brought up there some of the monster <laughs> effects. They're, they're quite entertaining. <laughs> They are worth the price of admission. Not in a good way, I have to be honest, but they are quite funny. There's one that is a cross between um, a sock puppet, a penis, and uh, a potato. Uh, just an eyeball, and it's
1: very <laughs> odd. They're all like potato penises to me.
0: <laughs> There's another one that looks like, you know, when. Um, you film someone's head upside down, so you just seen their chin and their mouth moving. It looks like that. Oh,
1: do you mean that? I think that was meant to be a plastic um, chicken <laughs> in a fridge. And then it started talking. It started oh, okay. talking. Because uh, Thor reaches in to get a, um, a heavily um, obvious sponsored Coca Cola can from the fridge. <laughs> Mm, a classic. On the plate it's the next thing. to him, as he's reaching in, is this lump of plastic, which I think is meant to look like a chicken. And then the chicken starts opening its mouth, <laughs> and I think that's when that's what that was. I think it looked like um, an upside-down head with an eyeball on its chin.
0: <laughs> pick out some lines that I wrote down. <laughs> some some delicious bon mot that fell from the mouths of our intrepid heroes. Um, there's one guy. And I think he's doing a cockney oh,
1: accent.
0: Um, he actually comes off as, as one of the goblins, uh, one of the orcs from uh, the Lord of the Rings films. Um, he's called Stig. That's nice, isn't it? And he says, and he, of course, he just has sex. He takes his glasses off and says, I'll be right
1: back. I'm just going to go shake the monkey. Eh? Um, yeah. With awful accent as well. Yeah, oh, very very what, Matt, I'm going to shake a monkey. Um, again,
0: and that's probably a bit of a running slang I don't understand because I don't love all that. <laughs> On a similar note, the uh, Phil, the manager, says to his gang of uh, roadies, uh, "You called a uh, groupie, sorry. Um, you called them the se- the Sensational <laughs> Sherry Squad because they all have that, you know, that particular look. Nice reference for the teenagers there." Um, he says, "Sex and drugs really knock <laughs> you out." just nonsense utter utter nonsense and when our our hero uh triton has defeated the beast he says I'll see you again old scratch
1: <sighs> yeah that was that's the final that's the old final scratch. line of the film i'll see you again old scratch uh what
0: okay mm. but you know not not without directorial flair, because there were two instances of... Um, I don't know the technical name for it, but I know it as the Hitchcock Zoom, where you dolly forward yes. and zoom out, or zoom in and dolly back. I can't remember which way around it goes, but essentially that. But they did that twice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, like they had a crane. Was cool. um, yes, they definitely had a crane. Um, lots of shots from sort of three quarters yeah. above their heads. That don't really tell you a lot but clearly thought well this is fun also lots of shots from down yeah, the ground particularly, uh, yeah particularly when
1: thor is half naked and he's fighting the bit of plastic known as the devil so many cool shots yes. like have you seen my body yeah way too much <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> ah.
0: yeah. Well, I was just browsing this on IMDb and I came across a review that gives the film 10 out of 10. So that's interesting. (laughs) um, From user Jesse Ravenwolf. Now, let me just read a little quote from it. He says, "Uh, I'm Jesse D'Angelo, the actor who played the young boy in this magnum opus. I acted in several low-budget horror films in the 80s, and this is my favourite. First of all, This movie was shot in seven days with a budget of only $50,000. What? Wow. And he says, okay, you make a better movie with that much time and money. No problem, I'll take that challenge. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do
1: that now. I'll write it on the back of my bit of paper I've got in front of me. Um, Okay.
0: (laughs) That's really not a defense for this film. Carry on. For the money we had, we couldn't afford anyone who knew what they were doing. This was basically a glorified student film. It wasn't glorified. (laughs) It was a student film. Uh, When I was watching it, I thought, this is like a student film, but not as good. It was made for no money by a bunch of amateurs working their asses off.
1: It certainly looked like it was made for no money.
0: And then to to justify it, he's put, many people from that movie have gone on to prosperous careers. John Fasano, he was the director and he did the uh, puppet work, has continued to work as a writer, producer and director on another 48 hours, Alien 3, Tombstone, da, 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 and he goes on to list some other stuff, including himself, um, and so fair play to them, and fair play to him. Um, Whoa,
1: Alien 3?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, yes.
1: that still doesn't justify it. I would I would I, I would refer no, to my previous episode where I say if you don't have the budget or the know-how and the ability to do something,
0: then you shouldn't do it.
1: That's all I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely there's definitely passion in it. And I don't mean that <laughs> no, there's no passion forever no never. I just I just mean that there was definitely people enjoying what they were doing and getting on with it. The fact that they Result was really poor. is is just one of those things. But I think they were trying to enjoy it and trying to make a good film. I mean, they put everything into those song productions. <laughs>
1: it's a bit like when your your child like does, in place called scribbles some awful doodle and and says, "Look, I've drawn a picture of you and mummy," and you look at it and it's just like a big brown splat on a piece of paper, and you go. Well, you know, 10 out of 10 for effort. Uh, I'll give it that. But
0: but It's still a brown splat. Mm. (laughs) Yes, splat indeed. I've just um, come across a a great descriptor of it, which is, again, from IMDb uh, user year 2889, who says, it's The Muppet Show meets Spinal Tap meets Friday the 13th meets Total Crap. (laughs) brilliant
1: those are the four sides yes four um, sides of this man
0: and that completely nails it <laughs> completely nails it
1: um i i wanted to say that um it was a it started off as like some sort of scary uh brooding horror film but when the the I, I, I suppose they're demons right when they appeared they were like weird jokey characters and so i was confused by the tone of it mm. but i'll go one further uh, i would just like to ask you gary how what does it all mean i, I, I don't I, do, I didn't quite understand what the why was the devil there what were the little potato eyeball things how did they infect people, and why were they doing it, and what ha- what happened to the family at the beginning? That's what that's what I want to ask. Do you have an answer for any of those things? I was confused.
0: Not really, because everything's undone by the final oh,
1: okay. yeah, showdown
0: yeah. where. Uh, Triton says he caused all of them to appear to tempt the demons out, and he says, "Oh, so like all of your demons are."
1: Okay, I was confused. I thought
0: maybe I'd lost myself
1: and forgotten something, but no, it was just tripe. Okay, that's fine. That's
0: that's all I wanted to ask. (laughs) Yeah, and not to get too theological about it, but you know, I don't think Satan's in the business of just popping up and. Murdering people uh, in a farmhouse, anyway. Um, I thought he was all about temptation and stuff like that. Yeah, and sort of, yeah, why would he choose
1: a random farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in Canada?
0: Well, that would be an ecumenical matter. Uh, So, Jay, would you recommend Rock and Roll Nightmare Slash? Well, it was recommended
1: to us, so someone thought it was worth recommending. I would hesitantly recommend it because, my God, it really asks a lot of you. <laughs> it really does. But I think the last 20 minutes just about saves it. Just about.
0: I think you're right. It's it's boring getting there oh, despite gratuitous really sex gratuitous. And rock and roll. Um, and then you have this finale which is just comes out of left field and is so ostentatious as yes. to be I, I distinctly in. I mean I lost it but I always lose it but I distinctly remember hearing you <laughs> laughing
1: your ass off. I mean it was literally out of nowhere. It was completely and utterly nuts. So I suppose I would recommend it just for that.
0: Yeah I mean you know how in From Dust Till Dawn, spoilers um halfway through the film it just suddenly does a yeah. huge right turn in the road and you are watching a different film all of a sudden well that's not quite like this yep. but it's that jarring it's like a change. A
1: really shoddy
0: indeed indeed well that's what we thought of rock and roll nightmare if you've seen rock and roll nightmare and uh i'd love to know your thoughts again get in touch with us on twitter at we watch bad films or instagram we watch bad films um if you're enjoying the podcast i do hope you are please make sure you subscribe on your podcast app of choice if you could leave a review, that would be even better. We'd really appreciate it. Meanwhile, we'll catch you next time Thank for you. another See bad you film. Soon. Thanks, Jay.